Okay, so again, I'm JC. I'm a student at a seminary here. I'm from Vancouver, Canada. You remember me from a month or so ago? Cool. So we're basically friends now, right? Is that cool? Yeah. So can I make a confession to you guys? Yeah, can. I have to admit, I'm not really much of a pets person. I don't know. How, do you have any pets? Dogs? Cats? Anything you love? Yeah. I'll, killing a fish. Now that's a sad story. Sad story. Um, and this is actually, I, I mentioned last time I got married about two months ago, and this is maybe one of the biggest conflicts in my marriage. You see, my wife loves dogs and would really, really love to get a dog. But I don't really like dogs, so we decided to compromise. And you know when you're going into the mire and you just like look across and see all the fish? You're like, why don't we just get a fish? So we were there looking at the fish. It's like three bucks and 50 cents to get a fish. Like, this is a great deal. We should totally get a fish. Uh, but we decided it was too much work. We're not going to get a fish. But I don't, I, don't, I don't like dogs because I think I was like bit by a dog when I was a kid. So I've always kind of been a bit afraid of them, you know? But I have to say, at some point when I was 13, my family got a dog. And I got to admit, our dog is a really, really good dog. A really good family dog. His name's Harley. He's about 15 years old now. And he, he is getting really old. He's probably going to die soon. But... Harley was a great family dog. And do you guys know what makes a good family dog? Do you guys know what makes a good family dog? It's when they're nice. Like a nice dog. One that doesn't bark, one that doesn't growl, one that doesn't get mad at you. That's the perfect family dog. And so Harley was a perfect family dog for us because he was really gentle and he was really nice. And so when my little brother, Kalen, who's about 11 years younger than me, would pull his tail, grab his ears, bite him when he was a baby, Harley never reacted, never got mad at him, and he let my little brother do whatever he wanted. And so this is a good family dog. A dog that doesn't react, that doesn't get mad and hurt you, no matter how much you're bothering it. And this is a little bit of a picture of what we want to talk about today as we're looking this month at anger, putting off anger, putting on patience. I want to talk to you about the virtue of what we call meekness. And meekness is often translated in modern versions of the Bible as the word gentleness. But I want us to learn what this word meekness means, because I think there's more to it than just being gentle. And it's a classical word, but this is a classical school, so you guys should be okay with that, right? So we're talking about meekness today, and Harley was a meek dog. He didn't react. So this isn't a word we use much anymore. So when we're talking about meekness, what we're talking about is not being quick to get angry. A meek person is someone that's not easily provoked. It's someone who is gentle, someone who is in some ways soft, or we could say has a long fuse, isn't quick to get angry. You guys following me with where I'm going with this? Meekness is an inability to get a rise out of you very easily. You're calm. You have a gentle demeanor like Harley. You're good with kids. So we're talking about meekness. And really what meekness is about and why I think it's important for us is because meekness protects our relationships. Meekness is a relational response, and it governs how we respond to people. And this is important because we're all in relationships, whether with friends or with family. And I think there's very few things that hurt and destroy relationships more so than anger. Anger is going to be probably one of the biggest factors that harms your relationships, especially in your family. And so if we want to have good relationships, we need to learn to be meek people who are not easily and quickly provoked, but who are quickly and easily calmed and pacified. So that's why I think it's important to look at meekness. Um, and I think we can easily think of tons of examples where people would provoke us to anger, especially in our families. You don't have to look very far. If you have siblings, you know what it's like to have someone push your buttons to make you angry, or maybe you do it to someone else. And there's a lot of different responses we have that are not meek responses. 
Um, there's the short and sharp response where you like come home from an event and your mom starts asking you all these questions, like, stop asking questions. It's, I was fine, it was fine, I told you it was fine. Or you might have passive aggressive responses where a friend texts you and says, hey, I'm gonna pick you up a little late. And it's like, oh, don't worry, I always know you're late, so it's fine. Uh, or maybe it might get into really aggressive where uh, maybe your sibling accuses you and it's like, mom, JC, grab that right out of my head. I go, no, I didn't. And all the way, so anywhere on the spectrum, from slight annoyances to extreme exasperations, that's what we're talking about. This is really the spectrum of anger. Anything from the smallest annoyance to the thing that makes you enraged. And everything in here is things that come to us from other people, and these are things that we need to learn to respond meekly to. We respond meekly to these provocations to protect ourselves from anger. And this is important because, like I said, anger harms relationships. And when people make us angry, our anger never does us any good. When did getting mad at someone really ever make the situation better? It generally makes it worse. It generally escalates it to a higher level. And maybe occasionally your anger does control someone into doing something you want, but those aren't the type of relationships you want to build where someone's scared of you and you only get your way because you were angry. Anger hurts our relationships. Not to mention, anger is a sin that as Christians we want to conquer to follow and please God. And the heart of the true Christian is to live in such a way that pleases God. So if we want to please God, we want to learn this virtue of meekness. And we're just going to look at it very quickly from three passages of scripture in the New Testament where it's mentioned that describe meekness. Um, but we need to understand what meekness is to understand what these passages mean. So first, I want to talk to you guys briefly about the happiness of meekness. That meekness is a beatitude. You know the beatitudes found in the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. And it's that list, and it's very poorly named. Why do they call it beatitudes? It means blessednesses, but we don't use that language anymore. But anyways, the beatitudes where it says, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And in Matthew 5, 5, it says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, the word blessed is actually the same word as you would use to translate happy. So you could legitimately say, happy are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And meekness, when we cultivate it, it actually increases our happiness significantly, because obeying God is actually the happiest way to live. And meekness is happiness because angry people are unhappy people. Anger is such a joy-sucking, joy-stealing response of our emotions that to allow anger to have a major place in our life is really to make ourselves miserable people. And so meekness, even in a real-world sense, helps us to be happy by resisting that anger that steals our joy. And it says that the meek inherit the earth. This could have both a spiritual and temporal component. Uh, meek people that are gentle and kind generally go far in life because people want to be around them. People want to serve them. You can only force your way so far. But even greater on a spiritual level, God rewards the meek. Um, the inheritance of the new heavens, the new earth that God has prepared for those who love him, are given to those people that follow the example of Christ, who learn his gentleness, his meekness, that he didn't respond with anger to those who would provoke him in unrighteous ways. So meekness does lead to happiness, because meekness is a beatitude. Secondly, I want us to look at 
the noble strength of meekness. The noble strength of meekness. Uh, people often mistake meekness for weakness, but it's not. Meekness is actually strength under control. And meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. We have that list of fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and 23. And one of them, which in your Bible might be translated gentleness, uh, an older translation would say the fruit of the Spirit is, among other things, meekness. This is a fruit of God's spirit in our hearts and in our lives. And maybe you're thinking, but how do I work on anger? Because anger seems often like it's such an involuntary response. Like it just arises in us. We don't know where it comes from, but all of a sudden it's there. All of a sudden we're mad and it doesn't feel like something we can really control. And so this isn't just, well, you can have enough willpower and just not be angry. Meekness is actually a positive virtue that is cultivated in our hearts by the Holy Spirit of God. And so we need to seek to grow in meekness as a spiritual fruit. And because it's a fruit of the Spirit, meekness is beautiful. And meekness is noble. Meekness is godlike. If you want to learn to be more like Jesus, more like God, learn to be meek. And here's just a picture of the nobility of meekness. Um, I trust you guys learned science in this school. And I don't know what grade you learned here, but when I was in ninth grade, I learned about the periodic table of elements more in depth. And you learn about how the electrons interact on the Bohr's model, which we all know is outdated, but it's helpful as a learning tool. And you learn about the different categories of elements. And on the far right side of the periodic table, we have what are called the noble gases. Uh, things like helium or neon. And why are the noble gases called noble it's because they don't very easily interact with other elements. They're stable. They are self-contained and self-content and complacent. Other elements that aren't stable, when they come together, there's sparks, there's reactions. But the noble gases, they resist that. They're fine. And this is what it's like for us to walk in meekness. It's to be noble such that no matter how unstable of a person or how unkind of a word comes to us, we're able to be content in ourselves and not react. And often, people who are angry are people who are really pretending to be strong but aren't. And anger seems like a strong response, but it's actually a super weak response. Because when you get angry, it means that you're basically at the mercy of everything and every person who would upset you. You're actually the person that's tossed around by anything anyone would do. And you might know this especially if you have younger siblings and the joy older siblings sometimes get from pushing their buttons just to provoke a reaction. And this person, the one that's easily provoked, is actually weak. And to be strong enough to resist reacting to someone when they're trying to bug you or tease you or annoy you or exasperate you, that takes way stronger resolution of will. And you can even derive satisfaction being like, I'm actually going to rise above this and I'm more noble than to toy on your peasantly level of anger and retaliation. You've got to rise above that and be like God, who, even though we would provoke him to destroy us this very moment, is patient and gentle and kind to us. So we need to learn this noble strength of weakness. This is actually true internal strength, to be able to not let any and everything steal your joy and provoke you to anger. And if you're able to learn this, you will be so much happier, especially in your home life, if you're able to not get embroiled in the battles that rage every day. And then thirdly, I want to see us 
us to see this, what you could say as the protective action of meekness. Now, this isn't just putting off anger. It's not just avoiding it, but meekness is a positive virtue that we want to put on. And we have a list again in Colossians 3, verse 12, where he says, as God's people, holy, chosen, beloved people, put on, among other things, meekness. We've seen meekness is a beatitude, it's blessed. Meekness is a fruit of the spirit, and meekness is clothing. Meekness is something that we need to put on every day and walk in. Um, are you guys familiar with, there's a material called Kevlar. Have you guys heard of it? Kevlar is the material that bulletproof vests are made out of. And the way it works, the way it can protect you is that the Kevlar, actually, it absorbs the energy of what's coming to it. That's how it slows down a bullet, really. It takes the energy from the bullet so that energy doesn't pass in and hurt and harm you. And this is what clothing ourselves with meekness is like. Like, when we're walking in meekness, things can come at us, an unkind word, um, something that someone's done that would annoy us, a frustration, and it's absorbed. And it doesn't have to hurt us, to destroy us, to ruin our day and upset us, because our meekness is, in a sense, our virtue that absorbs these things around us. Or if you think of um, like wearing an oven mitt, if you were going to touch a hot pot with just your hand, you'll react strongly. But if it's covered in something that's energy absorbing, you can touch it and it's just fine. And so meekness really does allow us to walk in a stable peace and a stable joy in our life because we don't get ruffled and upset easily. Meekness is a beatitude that leads to happiness. It is a noble strength that's a fruit of the spirit, and it's like a clothing that we put on. And so I hope you're convinced that meekness is something we need, something we want to cultivate, Uh, but maybe you're thinking, okay, but what do I actually do? How do I actually go about seeking to grow in meekness? And I just want to bring up something that I have found helpful as a paradigm in my life when really dealing with any sin. So this does apply to meekness, but you could apply this to other things as well. And it's really what I call uh, looking at backwards progress. Um, Because odds are you're not going to be radically changed after hearing this talk. And we're going to get angry again. We're going to be upset and frustrated again. But how do we actually seek to grow in this in a step-by-step way? Well, first, we would look at the afterwards, the during, and the before. So I'd say the first step, which this might seem backwards to some of you, but is learning to recognize when you've gotten angry and when you weren't meek. So the next time you get angry, what you do is you reflect and repent. You look back and say, oh, I totally just lost my cool. I totally got frustrated. That totally ruined me. And I recognize it. And God, forgive me. I don't want to do this again. And it's as we begin that pattern of learning to recognize where in our life we're going wrong, how pervasive the problem is, and that continued recognition of actually intentionally noticing helps us to build an overall awareness in our lives of this problem. And what we do is when we've been able to get good at reflecting and repenting, that afterwards starts to move backwards. And it comes into the present. So then after time, in the moment when you're starting to get angry and realizing it, you actually realize, oh, I'm getting angry right now and I need to be meek. And you sense it and you smother it. You take down that passion that's in your heart. So you've moved from recognizing afterwards to being able to recognize where you're going astray in the very moment and sensing it and smothering it before it causes too much damage. 
Then once you get good at that, you can go one step further to the before. That at that very first glimmer of anger, that very first rise in your heart where something would frustrate you, you're able to sequester and, se- and squelch that. And then you can move one step before to where you start walking in meekness and you're impervious to these things that once used to hurt you. This is what I'm talking about when we're talking about backwards progress. Just start simply by recognizing where this is in your life. Then start to try to recognize it in the moment. And then start to try to be ahead of the game. And in all of this, you want to be surrounded in prayer. And if this is especially a problem in your life, you've got to first repent to God. Pray for God's forgiveness and ask for his help to learn to be a meek person. To learn to put off this anger that hurts and really harms your relationships. And you need the help of God, the help of the Holy Spirit to do this. So we have to depend on him. We can't do this in our own strength. We need to turn and look to the Lord in this all. And especially, we can look to the example of Jesus Christ, who was the meekest person ever, who we're told in Romans 12 that when reviled, that like when attacked, he didn't revile in return. Jesus never responded in unrighteous anger to anyone. And we all know that we've failed in this in many ways. We've gotten angry many times, and we will again. But that's where it's so freeing to know that we can look to Jesus, our great high priest who paid our debts, who took our anger upon himself and paid for it, and that we can look to him, receive forgiveness, and walk in freedom following his example, learning to be like Jesus, learning to walk in a godly and Christ-like way. And isn't that the goal and hope and the joy of our lives, to try to be more like Jesus? And this is one simple way we can try to do it, by learning to be meek, by learning to walk in his ways. And this is how we grow, we learn, we fight, and we look to Jesus in everything. So let's seek to be meek people, not to respond in anger, to see that it is beautiful, it's noble, it is true strength, and it'll lead to a happy, uh, happy harmony in your relationships. Uh, let's stand and pray as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have been patient with us, that though our sins deserve your instant condemnation, you have allowed us to have freedom. You have forgiven us in Jesus Christ, given us time on this earth. Lord, and we ask for your strength, we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit to learn to be meek people, to put our anger to death, to not allow it to reign in our hearts anymore, to start to recognize this problem, to start to put it to death, to start to be able to Uh, find where it's growing in our hearts and uproot it. We ask for the help of your Holy Spirit in this, O Lord. We ask that you be with us. Bless these students. God, give them strength. Help them to have beautiful, harmonious relationships that are filled with godliness, that are filled with gentleness, that they would be people who other people love to be around, people who people feel safe to be around, friends that people really care about and really want to walk in fellowship with. Lord, be with us the rest of this day. We pray for your help. We pray for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.